is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877-381-3811, The speech the president gave today, which I think was mostly written by the State Department, demonstrates what an ignorant man he really is. What an ignorant man he really is. And what a cold, nasty old man he is about the genocide that he just unleashed in another country against women, against little girls, against patriotic Afghans that fought next to patriotic Americans and and other allies. The consequences this will have for the United States and the unleashing of terrorism all throughout the world, the consequences in Iran, which is a which is a blink away from having nuclear weapons, in Pakistan that does have nuclear weapons, in our Cold War, if you will, against communist China and fascistic Russia. We've only seen a little taste of it. But a few things I saw in this speech which were quite horrendous. They keep diminishing the humanity of the American citizens in Afghanistan. First, they keep diminishing the number. Now it's about 100, ladies and gentlemen. They don't have the foggiest idea how many American citizens are in Afghanistan. They don't have the foggiest idea. But don't worry, because Biden says most of them are dual citizens. And the implication there is don't worry. Many of them really are Afghans who became American citizens. So don't think of them as the guy next door and so forth and so on. So it's another racist, bigoted comment from this guy. But there's a lot more. The numbers continue to magically reduce. Have you noticed? Maybe there's a hundred there. A hundred? I thought there were 250. Then he says 90% of 6,000. 
and 90% have been removed, which means 500 are still there. They don't have the foggiest idea how many American citizens are there. And still nobody asks, do we know if any American citizens were already murdered? Do we? Anyone who wanted to get out could get out, said the White House, said the Secretary of State. They are liars. We know that as a matter of fact. Human beings on phones, human beings on video. People trying to get them out. Private, patriotic citizens and organizations trying and can't get them out. There are stories telling us who they are, what organizations they are. They are lying about the genocide that is and will now take place. Through the cover of diplomacy, don't you know? We're diplomatic. We're really going to show them. While the American media are no longer in Afghanistan. No cameras, no microphones, no nothing. Much like North Korea now. We can't hear the screams. We can't see the brutality and the torture. And the rape and the brutality. They're lying about the genocide that is and will take place. We don't trust the Taliban. That's the platitude that they now use to dismiss everything they've unleashed. Lying about the effectiveness of diplomacy against this enemy. Diplomacy? Has that stopped the communist Chinese? Has that stopped the North Koreans? Has that stopped Iran? You think it's going to stop terrorists? Diplomacy? The very definition of a terrorist is they reject the civilized way of doing things, including even wars. They're lying about the future, the ability to defend over the horizon, a phrase that they invented, that they want to persuade you. It's this incredible power. And, and Joe Biden, now that he's pulled all the military out of Afghanistan, talks tough. We will hunt you down. They haven't hunted anybody down. They haven't hunted anybody down. They won't give us the names of these ISIS planners because they didn't hunt down anybody. Related to the slaughter of 13 American troops and scores of Afghans. We're going to hunt you down. What are you going to hunt them down with? Diplomacy? And we see the whole pattern here. The appeasement. The appeasement of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Of the terrorist Palestinians in Hamas, among others. Of the communist Chinese and the Russians. With the, with the pipeline and so forth. Talks tough after the worst surrender after. Our humiliation. 13 troops dead. None had died 18 months prior. 13 troops dead. He talks about this being a great success. Even today as I speak, the border continues to be wide open. How are you going to stop terrorists or would-be terrorists? If people are getting through and they're not properly vetted, 
How are you going to stop the spread of a pandemic if people aren't tested, aren't vaccinated, but they're coming through? He says, this is what we needed to do as America. What happened to globalism and internationalism? What happened to NATO? What you're seeing, folks, is 1,000 ways to dress up surrender and failure and defeat. It's called propaganda. You're now being inundated with propaganda from your government. From the State Department and the Defense Department, from the National Security Advisor, from the Oval Office, from the staff of the Oval Office. Information, false information, spin being pushed out into the media officially and unofficially, anonymously and on the record. And you watch. I've already predicted all this in the last few weeks. You watch how the Democrat Party soon reorganizes, puts on its boots, and marches behind Biden. The media. What are the media today? The media today are mostly corporations that are organized to promote propaganda, viewpoints and ends. They are corrupt enterprises that do not believe in truth, objectivity, and professionalism. They have no circumspection. They have no reflection. They cleanse the facts. They distort history. And here's the bottom line. Biden's domestic agenda, which will fundamentally destroy this country, turn it into something else, is far too important, far too important to American Marxism, to the American media, to academia, and all the rest of it. And its immediacy is too real. They can touch it. They can smell it. They can taste it. To sabotage it with truth and reality. That is, they are not going to fundamentally turn on Biden. They're going to pull back in their criticism, such as it is, of Biden. They're going to continue to promote propaganda and the talking points you're hearing. Reject truth and reality. Because for them, the domestic agenda is far too important. And truth and reality will sabotage it. Now, I want you to understand something. Me, on this program, I have uniquely raised time and time again the history of the New York Times. I've taken the time to read about it, and to study it, and to research it. Thanks to some very, very brilliant professors and writers. The New York Times, during World War II, during World War II, right? A war that would determine if we would survive or not. got away with monumental acts of propaganda and censorship. Monumental acts of propaganda and censorship. They were willing, as best as they could, to cover up the Holocaust right up to 1944. Now why would they do that? They were willing to print lies, 
propaganda about Stalin to help cover up his genocide against Ukraine, the Ukrainians, in 1932. Why would they do that? They romanticized and promoted Castro. Why would they do that? And to this day, they haven't been held to account. They're a flourishing corporation. They're the gold standard for the American media. By the way, this is all in Chapter 6 of American Marxism. I'm just explaining it. Why would they be willing to do that? Because there's an agenda that they're promoting. Media is organized propaganda. God, I wish we had a free press. Press that believed in at least trying to attain objectivity, truth, reality, facts. That's not what we have. Now, turning to American Marxism, for those of you who have it, 198, Edward Bernays, considered the father of modern propaganda, wrote in 1928 his book Propaganda. That propaganda is a consistent, enduring effort to create or shape events to influence the relations of the public to an enterprise, idea, or group. So vast are the numbers of minds which can be regimented. So tenacious are they when regimented that a group at times offers an irresistible pressure before which legislators, editors, and teachers are helpless. Helpless. In the present structure of society, this practice is inevitable. Whatever of social importance is done today, whether in politics, finance, manufacturing, etc., must be done with the help of propaganda. Propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. This book, Propaganda, was a favorite of Adolf Hitler's. It's also a favorite of Franklin Roosevelt's. That is, how to gain power, how to retain power, how to use power, how to deceive the public into supporting your efforts. You can hear the language that Biden uses. You can hear the language that Blinken uses. That Sherman uses. You can hear the language that Pelosi uses. The good and the bad. Not intended to actually convey information. Not intended to provide you with facts. Intended to demand your acquiescence. You're being treated to this right now. We have fellow Americans who are behind enemy lines. There's not a hundred of them. There's got to be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of them. They keep dumbing down the number, and then they keep dumbing down them. Dumbing down the nature of their humanity. Oh, they're mostly dual citizens, you know. What does that have to do with anything? They want you to believe diplomacy will counter genocide. Really? I don't think so. Then they lie about what choices they had. They lied that their hands were tied while they take credit for what took place. This is a humiliation. It is a disaster. It is horrendous. We sit here today comfortably in our own homes. 
in our own vehicles. We have American citizens behind enemy lines who are going to be killed. And our allies that protected us. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Now, in the minute or two I've left before the uh, break at the bottom, I want to talk a little turkey with you. The only way to counter all of this is to develop a movement, a grassroots movement, that does not lose interest, that does not get distracted, that does not get dispirited and overwhelmed that does not expect others to do the heavy lifting. And I fear, for us, this is what often happens. Move from one movement to another. That is not what happens with the American Marxist movements. That is not what happens with them. They're raring to go from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment they go to bed at night. They're constantly plotting and planning and scheming. This is extremely worrisome to me. And I want to dig into this a little bit further after the bottom of the hour with you. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. As I say, the other side has sort of a permanent organized movement. Some of it's loosely organized, but nonetheless, they, they're at it day and night. We are not. Some small percentage, maybe, but generally, we're not. And if I, as I've explained in the past, about a third 
of the population of the country determines the future of the country. About a third. The Revolutionary War, about a third of the population supported the Revolutionary War. Thank goodness we didn't have polling back then. About a third. So two-thirds, for the most part, don't decide the fate of the nation. And you can see this throughout the world. The Russian Revolution in 1917, that wasn't a vast majority of the Russian people rising up for communism. It was a relatively small percentage a relatively small percentage that supported the Russian Revolution. Same with the Communist Revolution in Mao. Even much smaller with Castro. Much, much smaller in Iran. You can go on and on and on. Look at Afghanistan. The Taliban represent a relatively small percentage of the population. Now they control everything. This is where we are headed with this agenda that's on the table that they intend to enforce in the next month or two. This is where they are headed. The war on capitalism, the war on citizenship, sovereignty, the war on the constitutionalism, republicanism, the war on free speech and the nature now of indoctrination and propaganda in our elementary schools all the way up. The corrupt media, the corrupt Democrat Party, the propaganda that they spew. This is where we're headed. We're not headed toward a freer country. A more open country. A more prosperous country. We're headed where all democratic nations have the potential to wind up. As Reagan and others said, the dustbin of history. Depending on which historian you read, Rome lasted maybe a thousand years. Athens lasted a while too. We're not even close to a thousand years. And everything's at stake. Everything's at stake. A government that's supposed to have limited powers, as you can see, more and more has unlimited powers. They can actually control private property rights. They can actually control individual health care. They can actually control the propaganda that they intend to impose on your children. And you can't rely on the media. The framers thought you could, but obviously when it's corrupt... When it has taken a position in support of tyranny, pushes that agenda, it's no longer a free media, it's free press. I mean, they're free to do what they want, but that's not what was meant. That's not what was meant. It's media-organized propaganda, that's what it is. It's organized propaganda to push an agenda. We've seen that now all too clearly. And so what do we do about this? As my family will tell you, especially my wife, I sat down and I tried to figure out what to do about this. What do we do about it? I don't have all the answers, but I try to use whatever brain power I have, research abilities, writing abilities, speaking abilities, whatever abilities I have, and pull them together 
and spend endless weekends and nights and early mornings trying to figure this out. And I'm not alone, of course. And the result was American Marxism. And without getting too specific, I kind of touched on this the other day. I'm sitting down with people who love this country. Who love this country. All of whom have a copy of the book. Almost none of whom read it. Almost none of whom read it. Especially chapter 7, which is ultimately the key chapter. I didn't say anything at that point other than why don't you read it, but if we're not prepared to even read something, and I'm not saying that's the end all and be all, it's an example of one thing. That we prefer to whine and complain and sort of reinforce each other's uh, frustration, we're going to lose. They're going to win. We're going to lose and they're going to win. Because there's no lie that's too bad that they won't tell. There's no power they won't grab that they won't exercise. And they're expecting. They're expecting a public that may be upset, frightened, scared, angry, but lame, ultimately. Lame. They're not the majority, whether Biden's president or not. The majority of Americans don't hate their country. The majority of Americans don't think this is a racist country. The majority of Americans, of all ages, are not opposed to capitalism. We benefit from capitalism. A majority of Americans don't believe in an open border. A majority of Americans don't want endless debt that will crush their children and their grandchildren. Some do, no question. The Democrat Party supports all of that. But they don't get two-thirds of the vote. It's a diabolical party, led by diabolical people. And the Republican Party is a placid, mechanical, inept party. Any victories the Republican Party has is usually the result of the constitutionalists and the conservatives rising up. Reagan challenging them, as an example. Or that the opposition is so hard, they slip through. But we can't leave it to the Republican Party. Vote, absolutely vote. But we have to do things in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities, in our own school systems... With corporations that fear controversy. But they don't fear us because we don't create controversy. There are things that we have to do. They're not onerous. They're not going to threaten your life or your safety. But certain things that we have to do to engage. Other than sit at the dinner table and agree with each other. And get dessert and then go home. 
or we're going to lose everything. Now these, these attacks on liberty come in different forms. You see what's happened in Afghanistan. But you see what's happening in the United States. And you also see as, as perfect examples, almost aquariums of evidence, what's happening in these dark blue states. Those aren't free states. Those aren't free people in many respects. And people who understand it are trying to get the hell out of there. So the Democrat Party is a plan. We're going to nationalize everything. Everything. The voting system. Private property through landlords and tenants. Health care. We're going to nationalize everything so we, the one-third, can make all these decisions. Screw the red states or the purple states. Every state has to be California or Massachusetts or New York or whatever. Mobility won't matter anymore. I'm going to this state. It doesn't matter anymore. The capital gains tax. Think about that. What is it taxing? Your participation in capitalism. That's what the capital gains tax is, is taxing. You take a risk or you buy a home or you create a small business. This is the most vile tax of them all. If you fail, you don't get anything. If you succeed, they want 40, 50, 60% of it. You're just too damn successful. They don't do that to teachers' unions members. They don't do that to slip and fall lawyers. This is the base of their party that provides the manpower and the money to their party. Everything they do is purposeful. Everything they do. Now, this isn't the way to grow ratings and keep an audience. I got it. But I've been doing this a long time. And most of you have trusted me. You know I speak from the heart. You know I speak from the mind. I try to speak the truth. This isn't a game for me. I'm not competing against anybody. I have no competition in this time slot, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not competing against anybody. My books aren't competing against anybody. They're always number one. That's because so many of you are so smart and engaged. But what about everybody else? What about everybody else? People can no longer say, Mark, what can we do? I say, the question is, what can I do or you do? And now I've said what you can do. You don't have to. You may have a thousand ideas of your own. God bless you. The Communist Manifesto lives on and on and on and on. It lives on forever. As diabolical as it is, all the human genocide that has followed, it's right in front of our face. We see it in North Korea. We see it in Communist China. You see it all over. But our words have to have a similar impact. And they will only have a similar impact if we digest them, if we live them, if we share them. Rather than just complain in frustration. Those of you who are activists, I'm not talking to you. 
Just look at your children and your grandchildren. They're the target. They're the target. You don't like the fact that Joe Biden's leading this country, or Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House, or Schumer's running the Senate. You don't like the fact that we have these radical judges who refuse to judge, who are political hacks. I'm with you. The border is wide open and so forth and so on. We can talk about this till we're blue in the face. And we should talk about it a lot to spread the word. But we've got to do more. There's 900,000 of you who have a copy of American Marxist. Please read it. Please go to chapter 7. If you don't want to read the first six chapters, please. Please share it with your friends and neighbors. Please. Nothing's easier to at least start the ball. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. Politician tries to move past Afghanistan fiasco. The president and his Democratic allies are looking to return to their focus to the legislative agenda in COVID-19 pandemic. See, they don't stop. So we have men and women behind enemy lines who are now effectively hostages to the Taliban, ISIS, and Al-Qaeda. We have God knows how many citizens because we're getting lies. The numbers just change too much. They don't have any idea. And they're trying to dehumanize these citizens. You know, most of them are dual citizens. Who cares? They're Americans. This, the party so-called of immigration, by the way. I hope people of color from all over the world hear what they just said. They're lying about the genocide that's going on and going to go on. It's just appalling. And so it all comes down to politics and power. It always does. They write, the cold political calculation is based on a belief inside the White House that Americans, by and large, will ultimately process the withdrawal from Afghanistan as necessary, albeit difficult. Act even if they harbor lingering doubts about its execution. The path forward for them in the fall remains COVID and infrastructure, said Jennifer Palomari, former communications director at the Obama White House, close to the Biden administration. The most important facts about Afghanistan remain that he got us out in terms of what the public cares about. You don't care about the citizenry, ladies and gentlemen? That's why they're dehumanizing American citizens behind enemy lines who are now hostages. That's why they are dehumanizing the men and women who assisted us in this war. Thousands of them are being slaughtered as I speak because they want you to move on. Will they succeed? The deaths of 13 of our service members? So we're moving on now, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about people overseas. Our diplomats are going to fix that. Our diplomats are going to fix that. It's over now. We're out of Afghanistan. Here's the problem. We're out of Afghanistan, but Afghanistan's not out of us. You get my point, Mr. Producer? I don't know how you look at 9-11, and we'll be looking at it again when the so-called anniversary occurs. I don't like an anniversary. You know, anniversaries are supposed to be good. But the 20th anniversary 
I don't know how you look at that and say, okay, the war's over. We were never at war in Afghanistan when we got hit. This moronic phrase in the graphics on TV, the war's over. That war is never over. They're terrorists. That's why you build up the United States military. That's why you support the cops. That's why you, you have a border that you control. Open or shut, you get to make the decision. And shut is better, certainly now. We're still not doing the things we need to do to protect this country. But now it's on to destroying it from within, you see. Destroy it from within. Mark, what do we do? What do we do? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Now, uh, Sean asked me to come on his show last night on Fox, which, of course, I did. And I was walking into the studio, my studio. I have hanging in my office a... Life magazine, it no longer exists, but Life magazine cover photo of George S. Patton, which he signed as Lieutenant General. But he had three stars, dated in 1945. And I got to thinking about that as I was walking into the studio to appear on Hannity. And I got to thinking about what's going on now in Afghanistan with our cameras gone, our media's gone, with the Taliban and the other cockroaches choking off the country and hunting down human beings and their treatment of little girls and women and all the rest. I've not heard a lot of talk about this from abortionist Nancy Pelosi have you are all the rest of the media outlets for the most part and leading Democrats some exceptions but they're exceptions they're not the rule and I got to thinking about Anne Frank the diary of Anne Frank have you ever read that you really should What a brave and brilliant young girl. I got to thinking about Dwight Eisenhower and when he said, what he said when he he went to the first concentration camp he'd ever seen. And I walked back into my office and quickly printed out a paragraph or two. Then I got to thinking about our pathetic president, Pathetic Secretary of State, National Security Advisor, Secretary of Defense, and yes, the pathetic Milley. None of them. 
None of them spoke out. In the case of Blinken and Sullivan, they sounded like they didn't give a crap. Then we have to listen to Pisaki, who knows nothing. I looked at her background online. All she's ever been is a political hack. She's got really almost no substantive accomplishment. Oh, and a respite where she was a commentator on CNN during the Trump administration. But people who didn't see it have contacted me. They've seen it online. They've seen the clips. So I'm going to play it for those of you who are in your vehicles this evening or at home, at your table, wherever you may be. The truckers across the nation. Cut 23, go. First, I want to talk to General Milley. General Milley, I have this hanging on my office hall. You know who this is? This is George S. Patton. You're no George S. Patton, General Milley. How many Anne Franks are there tonight in Afghanistan? How many Anne Franks are hiding in cellars all across that country today? I want to talk about the people left behind not the 124,000 who've been evacuated to safety. I want to talk about the millions who now have had genocide unleashed upon them. And before Joe Biden became president of the United States, were living mostly in peace and mostly in safety in what was a neutralized Afghanistan with a minimal American military footprint. I want to read something. I never do this. I went back to Dwight Eisenhower's book, Crusade in Europe. When he went to the death camps, he said, the same day, April 12, 1945, I saw my first horror camp. It was near the town of Gotha. I've never felt able to describe my emotional reactions when I first came face to face with the indisputable evidence of Nazi brutality against the Jews and ruthless disregard of every shred of decency. Up to that time, I had known about it only generally or through secondary sources. I am certain, however, that I have never at any other time experienced an equal sense of shock. I visited every nook and cranny of the camp because I felt it my duty to be in a position from then on to testify at first hand about these things in case these ever grew up at home, the belief or assumption that the stories of Nazi brutality were just propaganda. Some members of the visiting party were unable to go through with the ordeal. I not only did so, but as soon as I returned to Patton's headquarters that evening, I sent communications to both Washington and London, urging the two governments to send instantly to Germany a random group of newspaper editors and representative groups from the national legislatures. I felt the evidence should be immediately placed before the American and British publics in a fashion that would leave no room, no room for cynical doubt. Now, we have propagandists in this country from the Defense Department to the State Department to the White House. Highly paid Admiral Kirby, Nick Price, Jen Psaki and others, and now generals who are part of the propaganda. Do you think George Patton or Omar Bradley or the top general, George Marshall, would leave American citizens in enemy territory under any circumstances or conditions, including at the order of the commander-in-chief? No commander-in-chief has ever ordered any general to leave citizens behind. 
What about these children and these women? What about the Afghan allies, the men who fought next to us, firefight after firefight? What about the 80 to 100,000 SIV visas granted, special visas granted to patriots who fought side by side with Americans? Instead, we hear that the American citizens didn't act fast enough. Instead, we hear this was a massive success. Instead, we hear we will use diplomacy to deal with these Nazis. Instead, we hear we may in the future work with them against ISIS as if they're different. It's the Taliban that allowed al-Qaeda to attack us on 9-11. The Taliban. They have our equipment. They have our people. They have our allies. They are going to threaten us. They're working with the communist Chinese. They're working with Putin. They're working with the Iranians. And listen to me, America. Can you hear the screams of the people of Afghanistan tonight? Because they're screaming. Can you hear the women being brutalized? Can you hear the bullets in the execution? Because it's occurring under the cover of dark. Because our media is unable to be there. While they're celebrating at the State Department and the Defense Department. And at the White House. And while they want to turn the corner and change the politics. The human infrastructure of all things. And the COVID-19. By God, I've never been more disgusted with my government and the top brass of the United States military than I am right now. Listen, they're screaming. Do you hear them? They're begging for help. Do you hear them? American citizens, they say, waited too long. Waited too long while Joe Biden lied to us over and over and over again. This is a humiliation for our country. It is part of our history that can never be wiped away. And I feel so horrible for our American troops, our real soldiers, who would not have tolerated this, but for General Austin and General Milley and all the rest of them. And most of all, Joe Biden, you are blood on the hands for the rest of your life. And I'm live now. And folks... We have Americans who are still over there. I know as time goes on, for some people it's like death. It's not that you get used to it. It's that you have to deal with it. The problem here, ladies and gentlemen, is we can't get used to this. Because there are men and women, American citizens, many of whom hopefully are not dead. And their government turned on them. These politicians turned on them. Much of the American media have turned on them in that they just don't care. It's time to move on to climate change to abortion on demand funded by the taxpayers. It's time to move on to the subjects that matter to this tyrannical regime and its tyrannical party structure. But not so fast. We the people, not the politicians in Washington, we must demand accountability. We must 
insist on recriminations. This is why during the course of this horrific event, which is still going on, the unleashing of this genocide against perhaps hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be slaughtered, like it's Cambodia, or the Third Reich, or Stalin's Russia, or Mao's China. We are the ones who are going to have to voice the moral clarity. Because these institutions that surround us and have devoured so much of what we care about, they are not. They are responsible for this. They are responsible for this. Joe Biden did this. Nobody else. He wants credit for it. But then he wants to assign blame to others. And these are the same people, the same institutions, that now insist that we destroy our economy. That now insist that we destroy how the Senate works. That now insist that the borders remain open, even though Axios reports that one-third of the little kids, over a period of two to three months, are missing. Missing? They're not missing. They're somewhere. Can you imagine the slave trade in little kids, the pornography trade in little kids? Joe Biden doesn't care. He never has gone to the border to look at his handiwork. He moves on to the next subject. He's not just an incompetent. There is mass slaughter, mass torture, mass impoverishment. In the seven or eight short months he's been president of the United States, doesn't it seem like a lifetime? The damage he's done to humanity and to our institutions is incalculable. And he's just getting started. I'll be right back. Listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. You know, I've known Larry Elder a long time. He's a very decent, thoughtful man, brilliant man, in fact, who believes in liberty and who believes in humanity, which is why he is the way he is. And it's very interesting to me to see in California, which is a dying state right now by every metric, uh, it's being depopulated, people are leaving. The borders are wide open. Certain people are coming. It is a massive welfare state with the highest tax structure in the United States, and it's going higher. Uh, bureaucrats and commissions control so much of the state. Uh, you see wildfires because they can't manage their forests. You see brownouts and blackouts because they've adopted the most radical kinds of uh, phony environmental uh, uh, agenda. And uh, then I see uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren campaigning against him. Honestly, I see all these white politicians campaigning against Larry Elder because all their talk about a white supremacist society, I would say, well, I guess they would know. Because the white-dominant Democrat Party is now working in California to defeat a man who embraces this country and embraces liberty 
And it's also, by the way, an African-American. Larry Elder, how are you, sir? Mark, doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us what's going on in uh, California right now and, and how people can get out and vote. Well, Mark, what's going on is everything you just now rattled off. I would only add the decline in the quality of our public education. 75% of black boys here in California, Mark, believe it or not, 75%, that's not a typo, cannot read at state levels of proficiency. And, of course, those levels are low. The math scores are even worse. Nearly half of all third graders cannot read at state levels of proficiency. And around 80% of all kids educated in our government schools are black and brown. I only mention that because that's what the left prides itself on caring about. Now, the number one obstacle towards choice in education that polls show black and, parent, black and brown parents want, the teachers' union. Who's the number one funder of my opponent, Gavin Newsom? The teachers' union. Uh, and poll after poll after poll shows that the people living in the inner city recognize they're getting the worst teachers, the worst principals, the worst bureaucrats, and they want the opportunity to put their kid in a private school, a religious school, homeschooling, or a charter school, and they're being denied that opportunity, yet they march in there every single year and pull that lever for the party that is thwarting the number one way of escaping poverty, and that's to at least finish high school. Mm-hmm. And what you're telling people is stop voting for the party that's destroying your, your life. Stop voting for Absolutely. the party that doesn't look out for you. Absolutely. The average price of a home uh, in California, Mark, just hit $800,000. Depending upon whatever survey you read, that's anywhere between 150% above the national average to 250% above the national average. And why is this? Because of the extreme environmentalists that have a stranglehold over Sacramento and have a stranglehold over Gavin Newsom. Uh, The number one reason people cite for leaving California in the middle class is because they cannot afford the price of a home. And the people sitting up there in Sacramento are the very ones causing the price of a home to be jacked up to the point uh, where it is. Now, people clearly don't like what's happening to their state there. They don't like how it's affecting their lives. Many are leaving. And yet, it's one-party state. It's one-party rule right now. The Democrats control everything. And not just control it. They have supermajorities in the legislature. Uh, Newsom has a complete iron-fisted grip on the executive branch and so forth and uh, on their court system. So if people really want to rise up and change, if they really want to resist, if they really want to put a stop to this, they have to defeat all these surrogates and all these entities who are feeding off the taxpayers and feeding off the public, and that is to vote yes, right, on recall. Absolutely. And that's why, Mark, 1.7 million Californians signed a petition to recall this guy. And 25 to 30 percent of those were the very people who voted for him just two years earlier. Sixty five percent of Hispanics voted for him two years earlier. Now, guess what? The majority of Hispanics want him out. We have a we have what's called no party preference or independence. They call it normal states. They now outnumber Republicans. The majority of the independents want him out as well. This is across the board because crime doesn't have a color. The rise in Homelessness doesn't have a color or a party. Uh, the rise in the cost of living doesn't have a color or a party. And the way this man shut down this state in a more severe way than did the other 49 governors while sitting up there at that French laundry restaurant with the very people that drafted the mandates. They weren't wearing masks. They weren't engaging in social distancing. And his own kids were enjoying in-person yeah. private education. All right. We're going to be right back because we're not done with the great Larry O.
This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. This is Radio Free America on The Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Larry Elder is a candidate for governor in California. He's urging people, as we all are, to vote yes for the removal, effectively, of the current governor, who's a complete incompetent boob. Now, Larry Elder... um, What is the message that you want to say to the people listening all over California? Obviously, you've gone through the issues and so forth, but that they must turn out, they must turn out in large numbers. They can't leave it to other people to do the heavy lifting for them, right? Well, that's exactly right, Mark. You know, are you happy? Forget about Larry Elder. Are you happy that for the very first time people are leaving the state? Are you happy that the price of a home has just now hit $800,000? Are you happy stepping over homeless people? Are you happy about needles on Venice Beach? Are you happy about the crappy education people are getting K-12 through while spending $15,000 a pop per year per student? Are you happy with all of that? Well, if you are, then maybe you want to retain this guy. But if you're not, how about some change? How about some common sense? Are you happy that this state is running out of water? Israel is a desert country, Mark. They've got a little body of water next to them called the Mediterranean. They've been able to figure it out with desalination plants. We have a little body of water next to us called the Pacific Ocean, and we can't figure this out. Are you happy with how severe these forest fires are? Are you happy that... $30 billion was stolen from the Employment Development Department, money that was supposed to be for the uh, unemployment for Californians, money that was stolen by people in prison filing for unemployment benefits and getting them, people, criminals in Nigeria filing for unemployment benefits and getting them, $30 billion stolen. Are you happy with all of that? If you're not, go to electelder.com. And throw a little something in the tip jar because my opponent, Mark, can raise and spend an unlimited amount of money, and he's doing just that. From the usual suspects, the teachers' unions, the public sector unions, Hollywood, big tech. So throw something in the tip jar. Make this a bit of a fair fight. If you're not happy with what's going on in California, which is why people are leaving the state, taking their jobs with them. And I see George Soros has jumped in. He obviously wants to defeat you, too. George Soros has jumped in. Kamala Harris has jumped in. Joe Biden has jumped in. Elizabeth Warren cut a commercial for All the white supremacists. All the white supremacists. And I was called the black face of white supremacy by the L.A. Times. And all of these people are scared to death about one big thing, Mark. They couldn't care less about Gavin Newsom. They care about the 50-50 split in the Senate in Washington, D.C. And God forbid Governor Elder should replace uh, uh, Dianne Feinstein that nobody's seen in weeks. And I'm told she's in worse mental condition than Joe Biden. They're afraid I'm going to replace her with a Republican, which I most certainly would do. And that would be an earthquake in Washington, D.C. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. And I haven't thought about the fact that we haven't seen her either. No. Wow. And and I'm sure the media that are trying to destroy you are busy trying to find her, right? Oh, sure. Just like they're trying to find Hunter Biden. they're, They're scared to death. They're scared to death at a blue state like California. God forbid they should elect a common sense conservative Republican who makes an appreciable difference in their lives. They don't want me to improve the situation. They don't want me to bring down the cost of living. They don't want me to do something about homelessness. They don't want me to give people in the inner city a choice so they can get a competent education for their kids. God forbid I should make things better. And then all of a sudden people will rethink their attitude towards Republicans and rethink their attitude towards Democrats. And that's why they're so scared. Let me just say this. We have a lot of friends in this program who are in California. Whenever I come out to the Reagan Library, it's sold out almost immediately. People say to me, what can we do? What can we do? Now, look, it's not enough for you to vote. You've got to make sure 10 other people vote, too. 
you got to fight like hell. This is the least we can do. We're not asking people to go to war. We're not asking them to give up their jobs or their businesses. You be your own precinct worker. You be your own neighborhood worker. Make sure 10 people come out and vote. Pick up your, your phone. Call people. Text people. Rally them. Galvanize them. They're voting now. you got plenty of time to do this. I mean, you don't have to do it in five minutes. You can get it done now. This is very, very important. You can't rely on the Republican Party that has its own supporters. You're not going to just be able to rely on all the conditions that have, you know, devoured the state. It's going to take each and every one of you being the Paul Revere's. We talk about this every single night. This one is personal. I love Larry Elder. I love what he stands for. This is a big, big deal. It's time to fight back. This was Reagan's state, for crying out loud. And now Reagan, they say, couldn't get elected in the state of California. The way you turn things around, one step at a time. And if you're really upset about what's going on, you're trying to decide whether to leave the state or not and so forth, at least take a stand. Larry has agreed to step aside from his business and his job right now to run for governor, to try and defeat Newsom, to try and bring some sensible policies to California, which is off the edge. And so the least we can do is help him and help yourselves by defeating this guy once and for all. Anyway... Any final words, Larry, and where can people go again to help you? They can go to electelder.com, electelder.com, and you're quite right, Mark. Not only is it important for you to vote, but get 10 of your friends to vote and do it now. And if you don't trust the mail, you can drop your your voting ballot off at a voting precinct. But do it right now. Go to electelder.com. There's a button there for volunteering as well. You want to get involved. You want to make some phone calls. You want to put on some lawn signs. All of that button will tell you how to do that. All right. Good luck to you, my friend. I really mean that. Thank you, Mark. God bless. And God bless you, too. I mean, wow, you're having a tremendous opportunity now in California. I know you're outnumbered. But there's probably more people than you think who are disgusted with what's going on. I'm not talking about teachers, unions, and all the rest of them. There's a lot of other people. If you don't encourage them to vote, if you don't follow up with them, they're not going to vote. And by all means, you've got to vote. Make sure your family members vote, if they're in California and so forth. This is very, very important. We need an enormous number of people to turn up because there's more Democrats and there's more corruption in that state than we've seen anywhere else, quite frankly. And that's saying a lot. But you will, you will shake the world. You will shake the world, not just America. You will shake the world. And you see what's going on here. The public sector unions. If you're in the private sector union or you're a cop or a firefighter, you shouldn't put up with this either. You should be voting Newsom out and support Larry Elder. He hates the cops. Look at you firefighters. Look at what you have to do with these forest fires all the time. Utterly mismanaged. And so private sector unions and unions of people like cops and firefighters, you got to turn out. You've got to remove this clown. And in my view, strongly support Larry Elder. All of you small business people out there are individuals who just want to be left alone by the state government, who don't want to be pushed around, or maybe you want to put a new roof on your home and you've got to go through all this red tape, or the taxes are literally bleeding you. Now is your chance to speak out. This is really the only way to do it in California. And it will be an earthquake. All the special interests, all the elites, all the white supremacists in the Democrat Party and the white supremacists at the L.A. Times and in their media, the white dominant leftists, 
They're all aligned against you. Well, kick them in the ass. You can do this. They don't think you can. I think you can. You're the underdog. That's fine. But here's a chance to get this done and make them the underdog. It's very, very important. Newsom says more people will die if I'm recalled. Enough people have died because he's been governor. He's a buffoon. He has no idea what he's doing. He's one of these guys that's in line. They go up the ladder. He was a mayor. He was this. Now he's governor. Then he wants to be senator. That's enough. He did a lousy job handling the virus. A lousy job. And now you have your chance. You're going to need a super-duper turnout. But I know you can do this. We're heard all over the state of California. From the tippy-top north to the tippy-bottom south. All over the state. I'm counting on you Levinites to do everything you can. Everything you can. This is an opportunity. I wish we... We had this opportunity all over the country today to deal with Biden and throw his ass out, but we don't. But you have an opportunity to do something in your state. And I know it's going to be hard. I know it, which is why you need to fight even harder. It's for your own survival, for your own well-being and that of your family. And everybody shouldn't have to run out of California because of these people. Take a stand. Even if it's a last stand, good. Take a stand. Larry mentions a very interesting point. Where is Dianne Feinstein? And the LA Times should be ashamed of it. So it won't be. It's a disgusting, disgraceful, pathetic, phony newspaper. Remember what I called them yesterday. This is organizational propaganda or organized propaganda in the case of the aggregate of all these media outlets. Organized propaganda. If Larry Elder were a radical leftist, an American Marxist, if he were pushing for the destruction of capitalism, open borders, undermining our military, undermining law enforcement, letting criminals out the back door, he would be heralded by the LA Times. These newspaper editors and journalists, they obviously, don't, they obviously don't suffer from the same circumstances and decisions that the rest of you do in California. But these bastards are corrupt and they're liars. So whatever they say, you should do the opposite anyway. You have an opportunity. But you're going to have to get other people out to vote. It's not going to be enough that you vote. It's simply not. And as Larry Elder said, you've got to do it right now. 21% of those who can vote have already voted. That's the unions. That's people who are on the government teat. That's the people who benefit from your demise, from stealing your income, from regulating your lives. They vote early and they vote often. They believe they have a stake in this election. You have a bigger stake. I'll be right back.
the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Well, in Talibanistan, the Taliban has said that its number one ally is going to be communist China. They believe in the uh, in communist China's uh, economic agenda. So in addition to all the rest of it, we've just turned over the entire region to China. And people will say, good, let them get bogged down. They're not going to get bogged down. They're not going to war with the Taliban. They're aligning with the Taliban. They're going to have access to unbelievable minerals and wealth. And a geography, if you look at Afghanistan, uh, that placed them in a strategic advantage. Mountains and tunnels are no mountains and tunnels. Against India, against Pakistan, and other countries. It gives them a lane into the Middle East that they didn't have before. And I guess they're going to get the Bagram Airport too which is a major disaster. A major disaster. Unbelievable. But don't worry, Mitch McConnell's taken the lead and said uh, they can't impeach. Here's the thing. Let me just say this. When they impeached Donald Trump twice, they knew they couldn't remove him. They knew they didn't have the votes to remove him. The goal wasn't to remove him. The goal was to hurt him politically and otherwise. The goal was to hurt the Republican Party. The goal was to create talking points, to create tactics based on a strategy, to delegitimize his presidency if they could, to keep constant tumult taking place, stirring of the pot, making it more and more difficult, they hoped, for he and his administration to function, and ultimately looking to the next election to try and wound him so badly and to create headlines with their, with their corrupt media friends in order to take the White House ultimately. So I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. That is the reason to impeach Joe Biden. For the same exact reason. But we are stuck. We're left with people like Mitch McConnell, who's a clown. And his surrogates and the editorial pages and the media, who are clowns. Many of them are never Trumpers. That helps support what you see today. And pretend they have no responsibility for it. Of course they've contributed to this. Clowns like Ann Coulter. And others. Mona Charon. The list is so long I can't even begin. I mean, I shouldn't have begun. But that's where we are. Well, we can't remove him. They couldn't remove Trump. But they did it anyway. You don't hear Ben Sass calling for impeachment, do you? You don't hear Romney calling for impeachment, do you? You don't hear Murkowski calling for impeachment, do you? No, 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 no. What Trump did was unbelievable. But what Biden has done, leaving American citizens behind enemy lines, defying a Supreme Court decision, violating federal immigration law, and on and on and on. No, no, no. Andy McCarthy says those aren't impeachable offenses. Well, that must be the answer then. Wow, who knew? All right, folks, we'll be right back. A lot more to cover. We're going to continue 
continue to keep our eye and our, uh, our attention on what's going on in Afghanistan. But we have to look over our shoulder what they're trying to do to our country from within. Because these people are endlessly plotting and scheming. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our final hour of the evening, 877-381-3811. We'll take some of your calls later. Still lots to cover here. The Daily Mail, you may have heard this, you may not. Biden abandons Afghan interpreter who rescued him. When his Black Hawk helicopter was forced to land in a snowstorm in 2008, translator asked president to save him from the Taliban. He's still, <coughs> he's still over there. He's going to be target number one. He's hiding from the Taliban with his wife and four children. After trying for years to get out of Afghanistan to no avail. He had 19 warnings, my God! Biden was on board one of two Black Hawk helicopters. They made an emergency landing in a blinding snowstorm, writes the Daily Mail, when the interpreter came to his rescue. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family, Mohammed said. According to the Wall Street Journal, don't forget me here. Mohammed, going only by his first name for safety reasons, is hiding from the Taliban with his family. If they're trying for years to get out of Afghanistan to no avail. And Muhammad, while working for the U.S. Army, had a key role in a story often repeated and embellished by Biden himself during his 2008 run for vice president. As Senator Biden was on board one of two Black Hawk helicopters that made an emergency landing in a blinding snowstorm alongside then-Senators John Kerry and Chuck Hagel. Where the hell is Chuck Hagel? I know he likes to spend a lot of time in Florida eating grouper, Trashing Trump. And John Kerry, where is he? Blowhard, flying around the earth. About carbon dioxide. Muhammad is one of thousands of SIV applicants left behind. That's interpreters, or people who assisted our forces. There were 88,000 SIV applicants, and as of last week, only 6,000 got out. Hello! That means over 80,000 have been left behind. There's going to be mass graves over there. It was frightening. There was somebody being interviewed on Fox, and you could hear the gunshots in the background. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? They're going house to house killing people. You could hear the shooting. I mean, it's one thing if you're Joe Biden and you have no morals, you have no conscience. You're a sick, stupid, nasty old man. But they then dragged the whole country into his world with the thanks of the Democrat Party and the media is really unbelievable. Unbelievable. Private security team with the former firm Blackwater and U.S. Army soldiers stood watch for Taliban fighters. As the crew called the Bagram Air Force. Oh, 
the air base, I should say, for help. Oh, that's not our base anymore. Where Muhammad jumped in a Humvee along with a force from the 82nd Airport Division and drove hours into the mountains to rescue them. The three senators were driven back to the base with the convoy. Imagine if the Taliban had gotten those three. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family, Muhammad said, according to the Wall Street Journal. Don't forget me here. I can't leave my house, he said on Tuesday. I'm very scared. Muhammad's visa application reportedly stalled when the defense contractor he worked for lost records needed for his visa application. As the Taliban seized control on August 15, Muhammad tried his luck at the Kabul airport gates, but was turned away by U.S. forces. They told him he could go, but he'd have to leave his wife and children behind. I guess that's what Biden means when he says... Some people just want to stay there, ladies and gentlemen. They just want to stay there. Your blood should be boiling beyond belief right now. How you're being lied to. How you're being lied to. The cold-blooded, horrific nature of this government, this administration. The top of the Defense Department should be shamed out of office. Still lies coming from the Secretary of State, National Security Advisor. U.S. soldiers say Muhammad was there alongside them for over 100 firefights. Over 100 firefights. Now, you're the President of the United States. You've been through this, and somebody comes to you, and they say, this guy Muhammad, you say, get him out, get his wife out, get his kids out. At a minimum, right? Never happened. Involved in over 100 firefights alongside our forces. But you, these, these Afghans won't fight, ladies and gentlemen. They won't. No, no, no. It's Biden who won't fight. He won't fight for the American citizens. He won't fight for the Afghans who supported us. He won't fight. And his neck's not even on the line. The area of rescue was not under Taliban control, but just one day before the three then-senators' chopper went down, Taliban had killed nearly two dozen Taliban insurgents just ten miles away. We were going to send Biden out to fight the Taliban with snowballs, but we didn't have to do it, Kerry joked after the senators' rescue. The trip was one of many that Biden, then chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, took overseas with Kerry and Hegel. Yeah, Mo, Larry, and Curley, who went to become Secretaries of State and Defense, respectively, under President Obama. Now, in a speech on the campaign trail, Biden said in 08, you want to know where al-Qaeda lives? You want to know where Osama bin Laden is? Come back to Afghanistan with me. Come back to the area where my helicopter was forced down with a three-star general and three senators at 10,500 feet in the middle of those mountains. I can tell you where they are. It's in the mountains between Afghanistan and Pakistan, he said, where my helicopter was recently forced down. So there he is acting like a tough guy. Hey, I was there, a tough guy, yeah, and the helicopter went down. Probably, please save me, Muhammad. Please, I beg you, get me out of here. Me and Mr. 15 Purple Hearts over here and Chuck Schmegel. Please, please. 
Army veterans stepped in on Muhammad's behalf to call for help. If you can only help one Afghan, choose Muhammad, wrote Sean O'Brien, an Army combat vet who worked with him in Afghanistan in 08. He earned it. The U.S. has evacuated over 120,000 from Taliban rule since August 14, they write, including 5,500 Americans. But left behind somewhere between 100 and 200 Americans. Those numbers mean nothing to me. I don't believe them. And thousands of Afghan interpreters, thousands, who worked with the United States military in its hasty exit. But Biden called it an extraordinary success because his ass wasn't on the line. A White House official declined to comment on Muhammad's case for confidentiality reasons. Why, does HIPAA apply to the war? No. Because they have nothing good to say. Nothing. It's unbelievable. I'm reading through anything else. No. Muhammad, his wife, his children. Unless somehow some of these private entities, these vets, these great American patriots, find him and get him and his family out. He's, he's going to be killed in the most horrendous way. Has anybody asked John Kerry about this? How about Chuck Hagel? No, nobody's asked any of them about it. And the White House won't say. Because you see, the Afghans won't fight. This is what we're told. Just collapsed. Out of blue, they saw fighting and they just collapsed. No, that's not what happened, folks. Some of the isolationists and neo-Biden supporters on TV and radio talk like this. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I've had these Americans who have fought side-by-side with these Afghans on this show, on my TV show, on Levin TV. Generals, commander, colonels. Not one of them said the Afghans wouldn't fight. Just when you pull their entire support away from them, it becomes a problem. A big problem. And here we have an Afghan who not only fought, he fought heroically to save three United States senators and was in over 100 live-fire combat mission with American forces. And he's left behind. I cannot imagine any other president doing this. None of them. I cannot imagine any other Secretary of Defense doing this. I cannot imagine any general doing this under orders. And not resigning instead. I have no respect for General Milley. I don't care what he did before he was in this position. I see what he's done in this position. And General McKenzie, shame on you. Shame on you too. I'm sure you've done heroic things, except now. You will be remembered not for what you've done before today, but for what you did today. And may well be that this will be viewed for the next year, two, three, five, whatever with the corrupt, organized propaganda media as a great thing. But history will condemn these men. Our military schools 
will use these men and what they did as an example of complete and utter betrayal. That's what they will do. That's why these parents of the murdered 13 American heroes are so furious. And they are right. And now the Democrat Party wants to change the subject. Next time you hear Biden or members of his party talk about people of color, remind them of the people of color in Afghanistan. Next time they talk about women's rights and equity, remind them of the women that they left in enemy territory. Next time they talk about gun control, remind them of the guns that they gave the terrorists. I'll be right back. This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. All right, the Daily Mail. Listen to this. This is a bombshell. This is a bombshell. All the backbenchers in radio and TV, please listen. All the backbenchers with your websites, please listen. Please use this. Daily Mail. As Biden repeats claim that nobody could have known Afghan army would collapse, bombshell transcript from July reveals he pressured Afghan President Ghani to create, quote, perception, unquote, Taliban wasn't winning, whether it's true or not, quote, unquote. You hear this, Mr. Producer? Reuters today released excerpts from last call between Biden and Ghani before the Afghan president fled. They talked for about 14 minutes on July 23 as the Taliban advanced rapidly. Biden told his counterpart of a perception that the fight against the Taliban was not going well. Quote, there is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture, Biden said. Comments or indication Biden knew it was a matter of time before the Taliban won. And months leading up to the withdrawal, Biden predicted pullout would go smoothly. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call? This was the brilliant point made by my stepson, David. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call, ladies and gentlemen? He wanted the now-departed Afghan president to create the perception, quote-unquote, that his government was capable of holding off the Taliban. This has been transcribed now. Four weeks before Kabul collapsed, Ghani pleaded for more air support, money for soldiers who had not been paid to, to rise in a decade. A transcript obtained by Reuters revealed two leaders oblivious to the impending disaster and an American president focused on spinning the message. Hello, Kevin McCarthy. Where's Mitch McConnell today? Where, where is he? At some cafe in Washington? I don't know. Quote, I need to tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture, Biden says, to Afghans President Ghani, who asked for more air support. 
Now, at that time of the call, the Taliban were already capturing district after district across the country while the U.S. and Afghanistan were at loggerheads over tactics. In the months leading up to the chaotic U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan, Biden was telling the public a different story, that the withdrawal would be done smoothly and that Washington's Afghan allies were in control. Quote, I don't think anybody anticipated, Biden told ABC News when asked about swift disintegration of the Afghan security forces. Here's the point. He knew that it was disintegrating. When he told the American people, he did not anticipate it. And he told the then president who fled Afghanistan, the then president, on July 23rd, to create a lie, a false picture of what was going on in Afghanistan. Unbelievable. In the withdrawal, he says, we'll do it responsibly, Biden, deliberately and safely. This is what he said to ABC. We'll do it in full coordination with our allies and partners. And now more forces in Afghanistan than we do. And the Taliban should know that if they attack us, as we draw down, we will defend ourselves and our partners with all the tools at our disposal. In July, Biden said the withdrawal, which was to be completed by August 31, was proceeding in a secure and orderly way. He gave no indication it would be chaotic. When asked if Taliban takeover of Afghanistan was inevitable, the president responded, no, it is not. It is not inevitable. When Biden was asked if he trusted the Taliban, he replied, no, but I trust the capacity of the Afghan military who's better trained, better equipped, and more competent in terms of conducting war. The president was then asked about his own intelligence community's assessment that the Afghanistan government would likely collapse. That's not true, Biden responded. They did not reach that conclusion. The intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. Biden told ABC News earlier this month, He said he was not told the Taliban would take over as quickly as they did. Instead, he said there was a possibility it would take more time. Not even close, Biden said. But behind the scenes, Biden knew that the situation was more precarious. And he wanted the president of Afghanistan to lie. To create the impression that his forces weren't being overwhelmed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a phone call, as my stepson pointed out, David. This is a phone call over which somebody should be impeached, and his name is Biden. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Mark Levin. Tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a bombshell by any standard as an impeachable offense, particularly under the, the Ukraine phone call standard. There is simply no question about this. 
Two weeks after his remarks to reporters denying the Taliban takeover was inevitable, Biden and Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, spoke for 14 minutes on July 23. It was their last conversation before the Taliban captured the capital. Ghani fled the presidential palace, Kabul, and the country on August 15. But in mid-July, Biden was intent on Ghani delivering a public message and public plan that would shore up confidence in the Afghan government. He said, you clearly have the best military of 300,000 well-armed forces. By the way, they've never had 300,000 armed forces. Versus 70 to 80,000, they're clearly capable of fighting well. We will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is and what we are doing. He pushed Ghani to allow his defense minister, General Bishmalaka Malama, to pursue a strategy that would focus on defending major population centers. And he urged the Afghan president to bring together some of the most powerful anti-Taliban warlords in a show of support to reverse perceptions, perceptions of a crumbling government. He said, I really think, I don't know whether you're aware just how much the perception around the world is that this is looking like a losing proposition, which it is not, not that it necessarily is that, but so the conclusion I'm asking you to consider is to bring together everyone. If they stand there and say they back the strategy you put together and put a warrior in charge, you know, a military man, Khan, in charge of executing the strategy, and that will change perception, and that will change an awful lot, I think, says Biden. Ghani responded by saying Afghanistan was facing not just the Taliban, but their foreign backers. He said, we're facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. You've never heard any of this. Neither did I. Have you, Mr. Producer? So they were being invaded on top of everything else from Pakistan. You didn't know this either, folks. But Biden did. And he also asked the American close air support To be front-loaded, he said, to help with the challenges faced by the Afghan army immediately. In other words, he wanted them to hammer away at the invaders and the Taliban immediately. Details of their conversation emerged today, a day after the last troops were flown out of Kabul, ending America's longest war, they write. This is a Daily Mail. You'll never see stories like this broken in the New York slimes or the Washington Compost. Washington Compost is busy chasing uh, Peter Ducey. That's our boy, Philly Bump. <clears throat> what a complete slop. In a follow-up call later that day that did not include President Biden, Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, General Mark Milley, and U.S. Central Command Commander, General Frank McKenzie, spoke to Ghani. Reuters also obtained a transcript of that call. In this call, too, an area of focus was global perception of events on the ground in Afghanistan. Global perception, not the reality. Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told Ghani, quote, the perception in the United States and Europe and the media sort of thing is a narrative of Taliban momentum. Duh, you think? And a narrative of Taliban victory, we need to collectively demonstrate and try to turn that perception, that narrative around. They're not even talking about how to help stop the Taliban within Afghanistan. They're talking about the perception. Their perception. 
Now you're also going to see who the real reporters are and who the real reporters are not. This should be on the top of every news program. This should be a marquee headline in every newspaper in America. On every website that's worth a damn. I do not believe this is uh, that time is our friend here. We need to move quickly, McKenzie added. A spokesperson for McKenzie declined to comment. A spokesman for Millie did not respond by publication time. Wow. Wow, and they dump all over Trump for his phone call with the president of Ukraine, which was perfectly fine. They're wanting the Afghan president to lie about what's going on on the ground. Biden is lying to the American people while this is taking place. Biden lied today about what was taking place. This is the first time I've read that you had foreign fighters pouring into Afghanistan from Pakistan. But perception, the word perception keeps popping up. Wow. Nobody could have known Biden said, I'm quoting him, the Afghan army would collapse. But Biden knew it was collapsing. And I'll add a few other points. Here you have the president of Afghanistan, whatever you think of the guy now. Here you have the president of Afghanistan saying, I need you to front load air power. We need air power. What does Biden do, Mr. Producer? He shuts down our air base and pulls out the air power. And what do Millie and McKenzie say? We're running out of time on perception. Another point. As they blame the citizens of the United States, excuse me, the dual citizens for being in Afghanistan. We sent them 19 warnings. Biden, you were trying to tell the world, and you did tell the world, that you didn't know that the Afghan army would collapse this quickly. You didn't give him what he wanted, air cover. You pulled him out of the air base, for God's sakes. So how the hell were any American citizens to have any idea what the hell was going on when Biden was lying to the American people? Now, what are Pelosi and the rest of the Stooges intent on doing about this? And I expect the Republican leadership in the House to take this and run with it. We cannot have a president who lies to us like this. We cannot have the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who participates in this. We cannot. We must not. We can't believe a damn thing that comes out of his mouth, or Millie's mouth, or Austin's mouth, or the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor. They needed to change perceptions that the Taliban's rapid advance, whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. And again, say what you will about this president who ran off with God knows how much money in Afghanistan. He said, we're losing. They're overrunning us. There are foreign fighters pouring into our country, 10 to 15,000 from Afghanistan. How come Biden didn't say that in his speech today? They didn't tell a single reporter 
Day in and day out at the Pentagon with this guy Kirby. Day in and day out at the State Department with this guy Price. Day in and day out with Pasaki. With General Milley. With General this and General that. Not a word. Now let's see how the media react to this. The AP. Reuters port reported it. Let's see how the AP responds. I noticed the AP reported the Defense Department always says, well, thank you for being here. She says this to the generals, the secretary. What do you mean, thank you for being here, dummy? Let's see how the White House press corps responds to this. Oh, we need to get this behind us. And at the same time, we deserve props, you know. This was a fantastic, unbelievable success. Unprecedented. And I sit here, I think about things. For instance, if they knew Afghanistan was crumbling, America, Mr. Producer, if they knew it was crumbling, and they knew on July 23rd that the Taliban advanced rapidly, and that the president of Afghanistan is telling them, I can't hold these people off, then why didn't they start evacuating American citizens in July? Why didn't they start evacuating American citizens in July? You heard Joe Biden say today, with that constipated, stupid look on his face, we contacted them 19 times. Did you ever tell them that the Taliban were advancing? No, you were creating a contrary perception. And you created it even up to today. You lied through your false teeth. This is shocking. And I'll do something I never do. I want to thank Reuters. I want to thank Reuters for putting this information out because no other newsroom in America got it. And you had newsrooms in America regurgitating the propaganda from the White House, the senior brass at the Defense Department. They always say, our troops are heroes, our troops are valorous, our troops are paid. Of course they are. The only people who ever question our troops are the people in the Democrat Party who hate them. Not us. But these generals abused our troops. This administration abused our troops. This administration lied to the American people as combat was going on. They lied to the American people. They lied to each and every one of you, including those of you who voted for Biden. They lied to you. Whether it's true or not, there is a need, quote, there is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture, unquote, Joe Biden. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had said something like that under circumstances like this? His entire party would have turned on him. His entire party would have turned on him. Meanwhile, watch. Watch. As the Praetorian Guard media, watch. As the Democrat Party circle the wagons. Yes, Biden is mentally, he's not just cognitively stuck. 
He's unhinged. This is no joke. Wow. This is huge. This came out while I was on the air, 6.44 p.m. Eastern Time, Mr. Producer. 6.44 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, you're also going to find out all the hosts and producers and directors of all these TV shows and radio shows who listen to my every syllable. And you know what? They're smart. They should. It's time for the echo chamber to really kick into gear. I'll be right back. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. Now, it's important to stick with this show. This reminds me of March 2017, Mr. Producer, when I pulled to get all the public reports, all the leaks coming out of the FBI and elsewhere, and said, wait a minute, they're spying on Trump. Remember that? Everybody runs with it like they create, oh, I've got my group of people here. We did Okay, fine. This reminds me of the phone call we had from the medical director of a nursing home in New York. Remember that call, Mr. Beducer? We've played it, where we helped expose what was going on in nursing homes in New York. People ran with it. I don't expect credit. We never get credit. That's okay. This is a little different. This is Reuters, so it's out there. But I need to give this voice. I need to give this voice with our millions and millions of listeners, you folks, that this is shocking. And I went ahead and posted this article. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call is what I said. On at Mark Levin Show Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and at Mark Levin Show Parlor. This is a big deal. You'll probably hear it now on TV, hopefully, and radio tomorrow. I'm going to keep hammering this. And I want to strongly encourage you, please jump in, folks. If you've already jumped in with American Marxism, we've got to keep at this. Then please make sure family members, friends, and colleagues are with us. Give them a copy of American Marxism. Give them an early Christmas gift or a Hanukkah gift. Give them an early birthday gift, whatever it is. Maybe they want the audio. They'd rather listen to it. Maybe they want ebook. They'd rather read it on a pad. However you do it, please, let's keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I have complete faith in you. As Biden repeats claim that nobody could have known Afghan army would collapse, he did it today. Bombshell transcript from July, first reported by Reuters, reveals he pressured Afghan President Ghani to create, quote, a perception that Taliban wasn't winning, whether it's true or not. That's a 14-minute discussion with other information in it on July 23rd, as the Taliban were advancing. There is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture. In other words, a lie. And Millie was in on it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless each and every one of you patriots. Check out Amazon.com, American Marxism. Keep your chin up. We don't give up. See you tomorrow. <laughs>